and it's time for the weekly Q&A that we call Splunk Talk. Episode number 63, recorded Friday, November 18th, 2011. Strange things happen after midnight. I swear this is completely unrelated to Halloween, but it is related to Splunk. We've got some interesting questions, fun always, Splunk Live wrap-up. It's time for Splunk Talk. Let's do it. I gotta have more cowbell. Splunk Talk, fighting answers without a doubt. Splunk Talk, we'll help you figure it out. Splunk Talk, in fact, tell the whole world about Splunk Talk. Splunk Talk. Hey, Maverick. It's good to be back on Splunk Talk. Hey, what's going on, it's man? You know, it's been a while since I've seen you. Yeah, what, what are you talking about? Is that about? even a correct thing to say? Since I've seen you? What am I, seven years old? Jeez. <laughs> no, no, I mean, you just saw me like you saw me yesterday. I, I know. What were we doing yesterday? Uh, I believe we were at the Splunk Live in Dallas, right Splunk here in Dallas. Splunk Live in Dallas. Splunk Live in Dallas is pretty awesome. What's a Splunk Live event, Maverick? Uh, I think it's where we get all of our customers. You to think? Come. <laughs> I, and, and also... <laughs> Wait, you were also, there. What, was, what what'd they do? <laughs> uh, well, we see we had about 100 customers or and or prospects of, that are evaluating Splunk all came for um, lots of uh, demos and session uh, discussions of, of Splunk technically and business-wise. And customers uh, that were speaking, Customers, right? yeah. Greg awesome. Woodcock uh, from Metro PCS yeah. was here talking about. Uh, Todd Gow did the advanced. And uh, how Kevin, Kevin how now Sham Gal? He was That's there right. Sham, that. I forgot we Sham called him Sham Gal. Sham Gal was doing that, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and Kevin Kevin Meeks, I think, uh, was the, did, did a beginner session, which we had lots of people that never saw Splunk before that was asking lots of questions. It was cool, and I I also promoted the user group we have going here, going uh, on, and then right. as well as as well as this the Splunk Talk show. Ah, I know. You know, I ran into somebody from Forsyth. Uh, he's a business development dude. Biz, biz dev, yeah. yeah. He's a he's a you what know one of name? our partner friends, Jim Husel. I hope I pronounced your name right. And he's um, focused on Splunk at Forsyth, and uh, you know he's he's a business dude, you know. Yeah. And uh, he's not a super nerdy guy. He listens to Splunk talk. Oh really? Yeah, I was stoked. Wow, hello, my voice is trash. Oh yes, uh, I was wait stoked. a minute. Wait, it was Jim? It was yeah. was he tall? Yeah, he was a tall guy. So he asked me, you know, I talked to him too, but he, you know what he talked to me about? He well, asked you're me. You're composing of the music? Because he asked me, he's like, who yes. did that? I was like, it's Maverick, man. He's a he, genius composer. He want, well, I'm not a genius composer, but he want, he wants the um, the short, either the audio that we play in between everything, you know, the little Splunk talk or the shortened version of the theme song for his ringtone is what he told me. <laughs> I thought I, that was I'm cool. happy. You know what? I'll, I have his email right here. Uh, by the time you hear this, Jim, you will have already had... <laughs> your uh ringtone so we'll, i think that's know. really awesome Spunk talk ringtones that's interesting maybe we'll make a Splunk talk ringtone and post it on splunk.tv <laughs> anyways Splunk talk. all right this is Splunk talk let's do some questions questions some questions we got some q a maverick's right, got one i got one we probably got some stuff to learn let's go let's do this all right uh question is i'm doing real-time search and a stream seems to be a few minutes behind. Ooh, what's the deal with that? What's the deal with that? Real-time search, but the stream's behind. What's the it's deal? It's not real-time if it's behind, yeah. right? Yeah, what's the deal with that? Interesting question. So I talked to someone today who asked me this question, and I said, let's look into it. So we got on a join.me session, which I really like. Join.me, join. yeah. And in, in his session, a couple of the other products didn't work. So we fired up a join.me, 
And he's in his situation, he's got an indexer. These guys are both running on Linux, but it really doesn't matter what the uh, platform is. He's got his indexer. And, um, you know, one of his guys, is, one of his guys actually uh, asked the question, like, what's the deal, man? I need real time data on what's going on. I can't look at stuff a few minutes behind. And Splunk seems to be a few minutes behind. So I said, hmm, all right, information's coming from a forwarder. He's tailing a bunch of logs mm-hmm. from Rails or something like that. Monitoring them with a forwarder, and they're streaming over to the indexer. And I said, okay, so we hit the star. We had asterisk. So the good way to solve this or a good way to figure it out is, is anything coming in real time? Yeah. Okay, first hit the star, <laughs> you know, hit an asterisk. Choose real-time search, pick five-minute window, just hit go, right? Just, just watch it, And just it, watch yeah. stuff going and kind of look at look at the timestamp and look at the clock in your computer, and that sort of made us go, whoa, things are a little, little different. But there was some stuff that was real-time, especially from the Splunk server, okay? Okay. And I said, all right, well, hold on. Let's look at the time that's actually on the Splunk server versus what's on the forwarder, the actual system clock. So it turned out in this situation, the forwarders system, cl- they, didn't, they weren't using the NTP network time protocol. Oh, they are now. Yeah. But the forwarders <laughs> clock was a few minutes ahead of the indexers clock. Wow. Okay. Right. So the events are being timestamped in the future, if you will. In real time, technically the future hasn't happened yet. Right. Um, in... In... Regular, and I and I'm I got a question out to see if real time search accommodates future events. It may not. In historical search, it actually will accommodate some level of future events, which seems kind of strange. You know, you mm-hmm. can um, it'll it'll do a couple of minutes because these things happen. But I don't think real time does. Real time is now, and now ain't the future. So we corrected the clocks on each of the servers, and magically it just all fixed itself. And then what we did is, how do we know? Okay, how do we know how fast real-time was working? Mm-hmm. We pulled up a shell window, tailed his, his log, uh, tailed, tail minus F, which is a command on Linux to watch a, a file, tail minus F to his log, put it on the screen, open up a real-time search in Splunk. Man, this guy's got an awesome, fast internet co- connection between his switches. Yeah. Boom, literally, it's like a half a second. We see it on the screen. We see it in Splunk. All good. Ring hands, wash hands, grab towel, throw garbage away, <laughs> all fixed. You know, that's, snap that's shirt, pretty, boom. That's, pretty, that's yeah. pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome how you can just go in and, like like you said, just do real-time star and just kind of watch it. And you use Splunk to kind of diagnose its own configuration or own, uh, in this case, the server configuration, not a Splunk configuration, but to figure it out on your setup, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I will say uh, it, it, Splunk, inside of the Splunk, indexers ui i haven't yet found a place where it tells you what time it is um splunk used to actually have that in its user interface i don't think it does yeah anymore um well one of the things you were saying when you were talking about feature events and it's funny because what i learned this week has something to do with time too so um when I, when that's I in the that, what did we the, learn this section that'll be section, yeah i'm gonna talk section. about that in a minute but wait right i'll talk about that but i got a question then. for you but yeah exactly but I let did. me just say that, that that there's also a couple of things like max hints max days hints, days hints right? and those some of those parameters you can set to also kind of have it not 
get things, I guess, if it's outside of the range. Yeah, you have max days of go. Mm-hmm. So if you're eating really old events, matter of fact, if you're eating events from like six, seven years ago, Splunk won't even eat them. Yeah. Because it has a max days ago that it'll allow inside of its own index. And you can change that. And max days hence is days in the future. I guess that's what hence means. I don't know. Hence. Yeah, yeah. It's, it yes. sounds so proper. I know, but I just wanted to say hence a You're couple right. times on the episode today. So I figured I'd bring that up. So I'll update you later. <laughs> I'll update it maybe on the next episode when I get an answer is if there's any hence, uh, <laughs> henceness about real time or is real time just as it's being indexed. I mean... Yeah. Anyways, I got a question right, so for you, you, Maverick. All right, go for it. Okay. Go for it. All right. What are some ways that I can share information with other people that aren't as technical as I am? Which is most people. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. So, uh, okay. So I want to share some information. You know, I got other Splunk users want to share stuff with them. What should I, what can I use? Yeah. Searches, dashboards, what else? What do you Splunk Talk guys have to say about that? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, yeah, searches and dashboards are kind of the typical way, um, you know, reports or whatever, you know, dashboards in the sense of having someone log in and be able to see their their different things. Um, I think that um, there's there's other ways you can you can make that easier. First of all, um, I think you uh, if you think about it, you can create event types, you can create tags and group tags, host group tags, things like that to make it easier to share because you may want yep. them to be able to search, but you want to give them things that are easy for them to remember, like use tag equals bad and tag equals error or tag equals my group, my hosts. If I'm in the windows group, maybe tag equals Windows stuff, get, you know, create the metadata on top of their reg- real data that you intend to farm out to other people to let them make it easy for them to, c- because we're creatures of habit, right? We, we always yeah, want to yeah. do the same thing. So if I get someone using the same tag and guess what, I can maintain that definition of what that tag means without them knowing about it. And I can keep, and that sounds kind of sinister, but really it means it's very empowering, meaning that I can add more things or take things away as it relates or does not relate to how they, what they need to see. And so I can share it, but also control it, right? To where then it doesn't, in some ways, security-wise, they don't, they don't see the things I don't want them to see. But in other ways, it, so it doesn't confuse them because mm-hmm. they're not as technical. So, so sometimes when I give them too much stuff, it's like turning on a fire hose and they're just like, they can't, they can't stand up because they're just being bombarded by, you know, all this water. So um, I want to try to turn the stream down, narrow it down, and say, just use these tags, and this will narrow down automatically to the things that I know you only care about. And then um, and then you can do your freeform searches within the, using those tags, meaning within those groups, within those types of events that, that only you should be worrying about um, yeah, and make it easier. Greg, Greg from Metro PCS was saying, because he does that. I mean, a lot of his job is... Um, you know, it's interesting. He says he really loves Splunk, and it's like a pile of Legos. He actually has fun playing with it, which is really yeah. flattering that we actually created something that people are happy to be in, interacting with, which is cool. You know, a lot of times the stuff he uses is boring, right? But um, he said there's a couple of situations where, um, you know, he'll give his users a search, and then they just go, and he'll use an event type, right? Mm-hmm. An event type, for those who don't know, it's, a, it's sort of like a description of a search or things that match so let's say failed and failure and error and suck and destroy and sleep whatever all those terms might be uh, an event type that we call badness right so if i give maverick the search event if i say hey just search for the event type equals badness i can control what the what terms 
badness actually is, right? And that way, the user doesn't ever have to like learn too much more stuff. So event types are exactly one it, easy way to do that. It's like yeah, it's like normalizing, right? It's well, like that's also if you want to give them the ability to search, because you know what what yeah. happens if you know some guys aren't nerdy. What what do you do for them? Well, then you create like a form search, or you'll oh, have a dashboard. You have idea. a dashboard, but because you want them to still maybe be able to pick the time range, or mm-hmm. maybe put in some kind of a keyword, maybe a username or an IP address. It's the same thing like when we work with. Think of help desk folks, help desk teams. T- typically, they may or may not be technical, but they have to work with technical data, right? They have to help people on the phone mm-hmm. with technical exactly. issues. So sometimes you can you can uh, empower them to be uh, helpful in what we call deflection, deflect, have a nice deflection back to where they don't escalate to the technical people on the back end. They're, they're empowered themselves to help the customer. Or in some cases, some of our, our own customers help their customers by presenting things back to them and let them search. But they won't let them have free form search. They have them a form search where they can select um, from maybe some drop downs, type in some fields, specific types of fields. Like I said, a, you know, enter a username, enter an IP address, that kind of thing. Um, or partial IP address, and then select the time range. But then Splunk does all knows which searches to run and which things to report on. Right. That are the four, top four or five things that they're only going to be interested in anyway. So that's a way of segmenting it off. So it's like a form of a dashboard, but it's a form. It's called a form search, um, you know. And that's that's another way. A, a third way I was just thinking is that. Um, you can, in addition to like sending emails or having alerts, you know, alerts, sometimes we think alerts are going to be, um, you know, related to, uh, you know, things that are bad and then sending me an email to notify me. Well, you can also use that same Splunk alert. It's really just a trigger, a triggering mechanism, right? So you could trigger something to run every night and then email the result, you know, the report or just a table with some counts or some things in it to the same list of people every night. So when they come in the morning, they see that list. And it could be other team members. It could be managers, et cetera. Um, I think there's even that PDF report server that runs on Linux only right now. But you can get that for free from Splunk Base and have it even send the PDF, yeah. just the WYSIWYG of the chart to somebody as well um, to get to share that information without ha- them having to log in. Works pretty well. You know, also what you might want to consider is if you um, – y- you might create a library of searches – uh, or a library of reports that people can use mm-hmm. and share them with everyone, uh, all the users that have access to it, and then just tell them, hey, you know, here's a hundred different reports that we have. Go make yourself a dashboard and then just choose from the set of reports that we already have there, and you can have your own, and, you know, there you go. Because you might have some things that are interesting to some users and others, others not, so... Yeah, give them the choice, just sure. equip them, empower them to kind of make their own. And that's the other beautiful thing about Splunk, I think. And that's what the people at Splunk Live yesterday were kind of reiterating to us over and over again, how it's just it's kind of the best of both worlds. It kind of bridges that gap between being able to depend on the vendor like us to do it for them or each other. They can kind of do a little bit of us and them kind of building these free things on Splunk Base, but then they can take them and make them uh, like like Greg was saying, I give them the things and then they take it from there and they continue on what, specifically whatever makes sense or what they're interested in. And that's the that's the best part, I think. A um, lot of stuff coming up. Splunk, a lot of Splunk lives around the world. Check Splunk.com slash page slash events. There's some trade shows. There's Gartner stuff in Vegas. Gartner's always doing stuff in Vegas. Don't forget user conference next year at the Cosmopolitan. And if you're interested so, in writing a paper, there's a place you can do that. September 10th to 13th at the yep. Cosmopolitan, 2012. 
Plan to be there now. Be planning. Think of how you're going to ask your boss that you, you tell him to convince him you have to go so you can be there to you know what's visit al- with us. And see. <laughs> but you know what's also awesome? We're going back to Interop this year. Woo-hoo. Oh, we are? Really? Yeah, I, yeah we're going to do I, Interop. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, cool. Yep. We're going to do Interop. So we'll be in Vegas and in New York whenever Interop is next year. And we're going to be a part of the knock again. So we should have a lot of cool apps there. You can see what's going on real time in the knock. It's a fun place. It's NerdFest. So check Nerd that Fest, out. NerdFest. So. That's right. That's right. Splunk Talk. Last thing. What did you learn this week? I learned a lot yesterday at Splunk Live, especially the stuff that Greg was doing. What did you learn? Uh, what I learned this week, I learned that you can't send. This is funny. I, yeah, not funny, but um, I didn't know this. But you can't send data stream to a UDP port with a timestamp only, and then have All it right. go past. Have it go past. Did uh, you tell midnight. me about this yesterday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, said. this is awesome! Is, is yes. It's so kind of someone, a bug, right? Is it a bug? Well, no, I don't think it's a bug. It's just a case. It's a corner case that probably is just not something we would be handle anyway. Okay, so break um, it down for me. Because it still indexes the data. It just what happens is at midnight uh, when it sees the timestamp, it, it it sees the date change. Hold on, back it, up. You you're saying you got events. And they got a timestamp, but they got no date in them, right? Yeah, yeah. Imagine okay. the imagine the timestamp only, no date right. stamp, no just time. the timestamp. Just the timestamp and then the message, and that's it. And it's just a custom, custom thing, right? A yeah, custom, you have a custom, custom app just yeah, sending yeah. right to port 514 or 10,010, whatever you want to pick. <laughs> UDP, it sends it in. For some reason, um, Splunk assumes the system date, but then never checks again, I guess. And I don't know. I guess maybe it could be a bug, but I think that's just so uncommon. People usually don't send just the time only like that without having the date either in the um, – Maybe the day or the or the or the month or something in there too, or having it in the file name. Typically, in the file name, you can it, it you can configure it, or I think now I actually will detect it there. Possibly, yeah, it's pretty smart about how it figures out time, but a po- date and timestamp. Right? Yeah, possibly, possibly. So, so when you just when it uses the system date, it then whenever it because you know how whenever it uses if it can't figure it out, it uses the last the date of the last event. That it was Correct. had a date on yeah, it. Well, then uh, it right, exactly. when it comes to midnight, then it started indexing it at basically back in in the past, one twenty four hours earlier. The last uh, time, the last date was the last event, which was probably eleven fifty nine the previous day, right? That's right. And then when it goes right, and then whenever you restart the indexer, then it picks up the current date and then starts indexing from that point on correctly. So you get some partial stuff in the back until you restart. So if you restart right at midnight, you don't get the you don't see it. And I think some people just don't ever do it like that. They always have a date in there somewhere, or like if it's a regular syslog. And the other thing too is that they were calling it syslog source type, which also was telling it to expect the, the day and the month right. in there as well. And since it wasn't, then Splunk was doing its best, actually, which is pretty phenomenal if you think about it. Even given the source top, it's type of syslog that's pretty known, it still figured out, hey, this doesn't ma- exactly match, but I'm going to index it anyway and make this work for you. So it was pretty cool. It's just it got it kind of... So I learned right there that, that that's a special kind of a corner case. And so I've got an ER opened or... you know, I, I mean, made you know floor. that like we obviously didn't in, in, uh, expect that, well, what would you, you expect? Know, like, right. Well, I mean, look. I mean, what, if you said syslog, would you expect it to just warn you and say, don't get, like, part of me, I'm thinking it really needs to say, this is not a, a standard syslog the way that I know it, so you can't do this. I mean, it's sort of, sort of like restrictive and sort of goes against what Splunk normally does, which is, I'll try to figure it out and make it work, right? Well, yeah. And, you know, ultimately, it improves over time, right? The way in which the, the number of use right. cases that we're aware of pop up. I mean, 
you know, let's say if you're you're an IT person, if you're not an IT person, thanks for listening. <laughs> Hopefully we're entertaining. But um, if you are working in IT and or you're a developer and or you know developers, tell them to go to dev.splunk.com, okay? And then dev.splunk.com is our developer portal. Why would you ever want to go there? Because there's a section called logging, and it helps people understand why more verbose logging is important because a lot of times a developer who just looks at their own logs all day doesn't really realize how people use their own logs. And it's not that they're trying to be jerks. They just yeah. they, they don't know exactly how people will use them. And if we educate them on, hey, it's really helpful if you put a timestamp in, a time zone in, right? Milliseconds yeah. in, a date and uh, some key value pairs to make a, a better set of logs. But I'm sure that that thing that you discovered will probably end up getting resolved because I'm sure it never even hit our test bed. Well, well, you know? yeah. I mean, in, in guess, this case, so. right. In this case, it's a very custom type of a totally input, right. Yeah. So, so we don't we don't typically see all as much as we think. Uh, people customize right. sending things, in, especially to a port. Now we see the people write stuff to a file. Oh yeah, no problem. And, when, and then with that, we can handle that because we can use the date timestamp on the on the file. Sure. Um, but but and we can figure it out. But because it was on a port, I think is where it was very rare that we get that. But but you know who knows? Maybe this is a sign that we're going to be getting more and more of this if we just you know as we go forward, we're going to see more and more people that get the aha moments that kind of figure out, hey, I can do all these things with this text based stuff that I have and so they get creative like that like this particular group was do, was being very very creative with how they were using Splunk and kind of evaluating it right so so it was very interesting uh, to walk through that and understand that myself so what did you learn what well I yeah I learned stuff yesterday but one um, some interesting stories from from Greg but uh, at Metro PCS but what I might have recommended them to do and if if it's a if it's someone you're working with, you might want to talk to him. Is um, tell Splunk to do no daytime extraction, none. Well, that's what we did, right? Yeah, yeah. That, you ended up doing. So what Maverick probably ended up doing is um, he set date time, uh, date time. Is it just equals current? So you're really basically telling uh, right. Splunk, um, don't do timestamp extraction. Don't listen to the events. Just as they come in, stamp them with the current time, and and that that would be a workaround, you know. Yeah, yeah. We even yeah we had them do that. We put current current all caps. Date date time config equals uh, current, and then we had them switch. It was cool. I said switch the time to eleven fifty (laughs) nine. Like switch it ahead. And then this is also really cool. You probably don't know this, okay? So he switched it ahead, and we watched it roll over, and it continued to index the data, okay. Then I said, "There you go. Now that proves that it could get it's indexing it. It's just that it's handling because it's using the current time and it had everything to do with just the, being the timestamp only." Then I said, "Okay, now let's reproduce the. Let's go back and reproduce the other way and put your other config back, and let's let's roll the time to eleven fifty nine. You know, um, and then be able to." Um, you know, watch it not work again to prove it right. Well, when he did, he he um, he accidentally set it to eleven fifty nine tomorrow's date, right? Oh on no, the system clock, right? <laughs> you know what happened, right? Yeah. So it so again, it doesn't index the data, but it indexes it in the past. But because he switched the data around, then Splunk said wouldn't let him log into Splunk anymore. 
because it detected that you're messing around with the dates and it must be some way to detect that hey if you're What's trying your to session? get around yeah. well well no 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 just Isn't at it? all no no it was it, we figured out we were trying to figure out what it was i think it was that splunk now has a way to go you're trying to mess around with the date so you can keep it it doesn't go past your expiration date of the license so if you mess around with the system clock too much, oh. and Splunk won't let you hack it right like that. So I thought that was awesome because we have huh. that in there. So, yeah. So yeah, I was, I, I'm sure by now I will have come up with a creative title that has something to do with time, right? Right. <laughs> for this episode, so exactly. hopefully it was good. All right. Anyways, thanks for chilling out with Maverick and I today. It's good to talk to you again, Maverick, and. Uh, as usual. Be yeah. in your ear, listener. Um, if you'd like to be in our ear, send us an email at... SplunkTalk at Splunk.com. That's right. And uh, tell others about Splunk Talk. If you like it, uh, share it with other people. They can go to Splunk.tv to give them uh, info on how to subscribe. Or just search for us in iTunes. In and Facebook, too. Facebook, right. Facebook.com. We need some more likes. Find the Splunk Talk page then we can get our url and then really start posting on there anyways as we always say have a great weekend and happy, happy smoking because smoke is a bounded